This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not the next speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy isn't either as Republicans continue to fight over who should lead their majority. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? We will tell you, uh, as well as uh, some reaction to Ron DeSantis getting sworn in as governor yesterday, but sounding an awful lot like he was getting sworn in as the next president of the United States of America. Wrong. And, of course, Corrine Jean-Pierre getting sweared at by reporters for claiming with a straight face, with a straight face, that the border is closed. She is so bad at her job. 888-788-9910. If you want to help me do my job, you know the way the show works. It is day two on the legendary KSUE in Susanville, California, Northeast California's talk and sports. 1240 KSUE, if you're listening to us for the first time. The only rule on this show, I am a conservative unapologetically so, uh, but I am not doing a conservative talk show. I am doing a American talk show, which means you can be a Republican on the show. You can be a Democrat. Hey, man. Hey, woman. Hey, they. Hey, them. All we ask is that you don't be a That is all. So the big hullabaloo in Washington uh, after they went through three votes yesterday to figure out who the speaker was going to be. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. I will concede all of that. But when everybody always says, first and foremost, they're like, oh, it's embarrassing for Republicans. No, it's not. Like, if you want to be clear, embarrassing is running inflation to a 40-year high. Embarrassing is leading uh, and presiding over a porous border that has resulted in an all-time high in fentanyl overdose deaths in this country. Embarrassing is relinquishing our energy independence. Embarrassing is pulling our troops out of Afghanistan before you pulled out the civilians, folks. In my opinion, that sucked. Oh, it really sucked. Okay, so when you talk about what's embarrassing, Republicans don't have to be embarrassed that they're trying to find the right guy for the job. And to be clear, nobody's going to care about this three days from now. This is one of those stories that I will highlight, as I often like to do, to illustrate to you, the listener, you, the viewer, if you're watching me on Fox Nation, how people who work in media have a completely different set of priorities than you do. That's true. That is true. Okay. If your, you know, inflation is crushing your family, you can't put gas in your car. You know, your kindergarten kid is now getting shown drag shows in kindergarten because they've got some far left weirdo who wants to take your kid to drag shows and show them a bunch of pornos in the between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. Like that's a thing that's actually going on right now. You're not sitting around going, yeah, but the Republicans, they didn't, you know, then took them two days, took them three days to bring in a speaker. You know, you don't care. 
okay? This does not matter to you. And the arguments they're trying to make to get this thing over the top for McCarthy is like, well, we can't go after Biden and Hunter if we're not united and we don't have a speaker. What's the difference between going after Biden and Hunter and investigating things today or doing it tomorrow or Friday? I think he's got a point. Does it change anything about the investigation? The answer would be no. No, it's not like, well, we had them dead to rights, but it took two days to get a speaker, so now they're off the hook. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, the reason there's so much pressure, and they're telling you, oh, this is a Republican clown car, shame on these people, is because the establishment heart wants what the establishment heart wants. Okay, meaning, yes, McCarthy, who is like, you know, He's essentially like the Hugh Hefner of lobbyists. You know how Hugh Hefner was always surrounded by a lot of hot blondes? You know, McCarthy is always surrounded by lobbyists. That's what he's known for, okay? He is an establishment guy. Now, I don't doubt that a lot of Republicans, including ones that come on the show from time to time, want him to be the guy because like Pelosi before him, the truth is, like it or not, we might not be big Pelosi fans, but she was really good at getting stuff done in Washington. Okay, wasn't always the best at finding a designated driver for her husband. But when she needed to corral some votes, she corralled some votes. Okay, people do believe McCarthy is Washington savvy. What they don't believe is that you and me don't give a rat's ass about what's going on in Washington. Bingo. Okay, we want them not to represent the interests of Washington but to represent the interests of the voters. So it's not the priority for us that they're trying to cajole people into thinking it is. Oh, it's embarrassing. The world's laughing at the Republicans. The world's not even watching. The world doesn't care. I don't doubt it was the first 10 minutes of Stephen Colbert's monologue, but you know what most of the world is doing right now? Going to the gym for the next three days before they quit. It's January 4th, okay? That's what the world is doing. If you work over in CNN and MSNBC, you're cutting up your anniversary footage of January 6th because that is your high holiday uh, on the weekend TV this weekend. CNN is the worst. Okay, and if you're a person with any compassion or decency, you're praying for DeMar Hamlin. And you're refraining from politicizing a tragedy we know very little about other than the fact that a 24-year-old defensive back is fighting for his life. We want him to do better. We want to get information on that story, at which point we could debate cause and effect. Doing so in the meantime, reckless in my opinion. But the point is none of the things we prioritize in this moment are who is the next speaker. Because you want to know something? It's not who it is. Are you ready for it? It's what they do okay that's what matters in this moment i'm telling you that boy's a genius okay i don't care what the guy's name is guy's name could be carrot top he could get out there and do prop comedy fine could be the lunatic who stormed the capitol in the chewbacca bikini i don't know that he'll get the votes but the point is Okay, if the person puts American interests first, if the person caters to the needs of the voters instead of the needs of the lobbyists, I don't care who it is. And I love that they're being made to squirm. This is not embarrassing. Embarrassing is the establishment failing us for four decades in a row, selling out our interests to China and other you know, countries around the world and making us, you know, a second tier power. Okay, we might be the world's greatest superpower, but we're certainly not Mike Tyson in the mid 80s. We're Mike Tyson in the mid 90s, fresh out of jail, 
And fighting tomato cans is a shell of our former selves. I'm not saying if you surrounded us with the right people, we wouldn't reclaim our top form. But we're a lot closer to the Mike Tyson who bit off Evander Holyfield's ear than the Mike Tyson who knocked out Michael Spinks in 91 seconds. Correct the mundo. So the point is we need people in Washington that will represent our interests. And the establishment Republicans have themselves to blame for the reluctance on the part of new members. Why, Jimmy? Why do you say that? What do you mean? The news keeps telling me these guys are clowns. The news keeps telling me these guys just want some media hits out of the deal. Folks, they're going to get their media hits anyway. They're congressmen. They're senators. They're relevant. People are going to book them. Okay? But the God's honest truth is the Republicans won back the House of Representatives. They won back the majority and the power of the purse at the midterms. That's what the voters of this country decided. We said, hey, we want Republicans to control the House, and with a very slim majority, they now do control the House. But rather than waiting for the new majority to take effect, rather than waiting for the Republicans to regain the power of the purse, establishment Republicans like McConnell and McCarthy went out and signed off and negotiated into a Democrat omnibus spending bill of $1.7 trillion that didn't represent any of the interests of those Republican voters. That's just how white folks will do it. So you have to forgive the Byron Donaldses of the world if they're now endorsing a guy like Jim Jordan instead of McCarthy. You have to forgive a Matt Gates or a Lauren Boebert, as showy as they can be. I understand, okay? They are like the right-wing AOC, except, to be clear, Gates and Boebert could speak in complete sentences, and they're not so dumb they studied for a COVID test. AOC is a dope. Yes, they're showy, but they're representing your interests by holding out because, forgive me, but you'd have to be an idiot to trust that the establishment Republicans— are going to pursue your most vital interests. We just gave them back Congress and the power of the purse, and they let the Democrats write the spending bill. Yo, we have the power. We just gave it to them for no reason. There's no reason other than what? Well, Christmas is coming. We can get a lot of pork for our district if we just sign this Democrat thing. I know we all campaigned on cutting costs and cutting spending and lowering inflation, But we're going to go sign off on a $1.7 trillion spending bill with no oversight from Republicans who now have the power of oversight. What a fraud. That's exactly what it was. It was a fraud on the voters. So if you want to make them squirm, if you want to make them hold out, yo, it is fine by me. Okay, McCarthy has now been nominated for the fourth time as speaker. They're going to go around the horn. I have it on pretty good authority from someone who happens to represent one of the key people nominated or at least in the discussion to be the next speaker that they may adjourn after this if he doesn't get passed on the fourth vote and try to back channel a little more, you know, a little more help. Hey, what if we give you this? Hey, what if we make those concessions? The point is the people holding out aren't sold on the idea that a Kevin McCarthy run house in tandem with a Mitch McCarthy led Senate, excuse me, Mitch McConnell led Senate minority is going to do right by the American people. What did Mitch McConnell say? When they signed the omnibus spending bill. Well, you know, we're proud that we got defense spending done in a bipartisan way with a Democratic-run Senate and a Democratic-run House. I'm glad we were able to represent the needs of the American people and specifically Republican voters by getting more funding to Ukraine. No Republican voters went to the polls this, this, this fall with inflation crippling them 
with the border overrun, with fentanyl becoming the leading cause of adult death in this country, with the national murder rate at a 35-year high, no Republican voter went to the polls and was like, I'll tell you what we got to do. So we got to send another Venmo over to Zelensky. Okay, sure, we're not allowed to audit the money we're sending. Sure, the U.N. considers them the most corrupt country in the world. Sure, we've already given them $60 billion and he says he wants more. But I'll tell you what, screw the gas, screw the crime, screw the border, screw the inflation. Let's send them some more money. That didn't happen. Okay, so this idea that people asking the question of are you going to look out for us is not something you're supposed to frown upon. You're not supposed to consider it a clown show. You're not supposed to consider it embarrassing. Yes, to the establishment, it's embarrassing that people who were sent to Washington to look out for voters are actually trying to do that. But to people who actually care about the future of this country, the holdouts are the heroes. You're absolutely right. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. We're trying to figure out who the next speaker of the house is going to be. I've got some good intel down in Texas. My man Jimmy is on the line. Yo, Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. I seen you on Laura Ingram last night. Yeah, you know, uh, Don Lemon would fit really good over at CNN+. Plus. <laughs> you like that joke? <laughs> <laughs> it hit it spot on, buddy. But, um, yeah, so I don't know if you were paying attention to Laura Ingram's show before mm-hmm. you were on, mm-hmm. but she had Congressman Chip Roy from Texas, Texas on there, and he out and out said that, Congressman Kevin McCarthy was lying because he said that Kevin McCarthy, they showed Kevin McCarthy what they wanted, and he walked away and went out to the press, to the microphones, and said that they got he offered them everything they wanted, and they turned him down. Wow. Well, listen, I did catch that hit. I was sitting in the pod waiting to go on. And that's the thing right now, okay? What, and I give guys like Chip Roy a lot of credit for this, okay? They are to the ones on the right side of this. There's a lot of pressure on them to just go along. It's like, well, everybody's in but you, so why are you holding us up? But when you look at the argument, okay, for why we need McCarthy, you see all of the holes in the logic. We need to sign off on McCarthy right now so we can go after Biden. What's the difference between going after Biden Thursday or Friday? There's none, okay? Absolutely. Yeah. And when they're giving you social pressure, which is, again, something we always know the Democrats do. Well, like, you better go along with this vaccine mandate or you're a monster. Do you have any data? No, you're just a monster. But if we're going to fly into the storms of social pressure, we shouldn't then turn around and embrace it when we want something out of our own party. So I thought Chip Roy was incredible. He's on the floor right now dumping this whole thing upside down. I believe he just nominated Byron Donalds from Florida. So it's (laughs) – go ahead. Congressman McCarthy Mm -hmm. just voted – a $1.7 trillion yep. dollar omnibus 
yep. into you know and got it to Biden, and now it's law. Mm-hmm. And now he wants us to say, "But that was then. I'm going to be more conservative now." Yep. Come on, man. And it's like you, you're an idiot if you trust them. I mean, Republicans win back the power of the House, the power of the purse, and let the Democrats call the shots on a spending bill. That's not representing the will of the voters. So you, you know you're naive to think it is. That's why I'm telling you the holdouts are doing us a service here, even if only for another five minutes they make these guys squirm, maybe at least they'll get the message that at some point you have to pretend to care about what you ran on. You know, that's what I think. So if that's what they're saying, yep, you're the man, Jimmy. I'll see you on the TV later. Take care. James is down in Hickory, North Carolina, barbecue country. Yo, James. Hey, how you doing? My man. Happy New Year to you. Um, I think we still say that for like three days. Like by, by next week, if you're still saying it, they think you're drunk from the night before. But yeah. Yeah, I just want to say I switched my party affiliation from Republican to Democrat. Whoa. And when did you do that? Uh, within the last week. Okay. And, and the main reason, mm-hmm. I'm tired of the rhinos. I've got, um, t- I want eight-year term limits for every p- political office, mm-hmm. 10, 10% flat tax, mm-hmm. income tax, 10% flat sales tax. Mm-hmm. There's really, you know, this has gotten out of hand. I'm, I'm, we need low-income employees. You know, <laughs> We need the Mexicans to come over because nobody's taking these jobs. Now I think they need to be vetted. You got to have a wall to vet. Mm-hmm. But I'm 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 for for Trump's policies. I'm against Obama. I mean, uh, Biden's everything Biden does. So I'm a mixed person. I think the Democrat Party has more hope than to have rhinos stuck in power for eternity. Well, here's the thing. The Democrats are not offering any of the things you just proposed, though. I mean, other than if you like the fact that the border's wide open, but the border is well, open. that's why I'm going to run for Congress. Oh, and then as what, a Democrat or a Republican? I'm confused. As a, Republic, as a Democrat, because our, our local area mm-hmm. has had Republicans since JFK. Okay. And you think— You know, you're not going to change this area, and— you know, I, I, the only way to make some change here is to make some change. Yeah. Um, you got to do no. something. And no. I feel like the Democrats are in the worst case with all these, um, you know, the way they were switching to the far left. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of moderate Democrats. So what That's are you saying? Like a, you want to be a, like a Reagan Democrat, like a Joe Manchin, maybe. Is that how you fancy yourself? I would say in that phase, more of an open minded and really to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, the main thing, we need change in this country, and we need it quickly. Yeah, but you're going to have— the a... only way you're going to make— uh-huh. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you're going to have a hard time winning in the Democratic Party if you're telling the truth. I mean, this is a party that's, t- <laughs> this is a party that's telling you men can have babies. So if you want to get these nominations, you better invite me to a ba- your baby well, shower the next time we talk. I'm for abortion for up to six weeks with the abortion pill. Mm-hmm. I'm not for any abortion, even uh, incest or rape, okay. after the baby has a heartbeat. Well, that's fair, but keep working on that speech because I'm going to a commercial break and call me back when you're ready to launch the campaign, all right, my man? <laughs> Happy New <laughs> Year, James. Good. good stuff. Always a good time in North Carolina. All that barbecue sauce gets to the head. Sounds good, though. 
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Does anybody think that this institution is working? With all due respect to Kevin... He's been in leadership since 2009. Let me be clear, the debt was $11 trillion then, it's $32 trillion now. This isn't about Kevin, right? This is about all of the assertions being made by Kevin's camp. And look, at the end of the day right now, the conversation we're having is, will we change the rules committee so that we stop doing what we are doing? Like, you're talking about having a Democrat versus a Republican. Explain to me how what we've been doing is working. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! That was Chip Roy from Texas, my opening act last night on the Ingram Angle. If you did not see my TV appearance, you can watch it on the Fox Cross America Facebook page. But Chip Roy was making a really good point. What did he say? McCarthy's been in a leadership position since 2009. The debt was $11 trillion. It's now $32 trillion. Is that progress on behalf of the American people? The answer would be no. Now, of course, a lot of that accelerated spending took place under Barack Obama. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But let's be clear. A lot of it also took place under Republicans. This is what you got to understand. Okay, and I'm just giving you politics 101, man. I'm letting you stand behind the magician and see how the magic tricks work, see where he puts the rabbits, see where the coins come from and the cards that he guesses and everything in between. Whenever the two parties switch power, they switch playbooks. And I'll give you an example, okay? Donald Trump, okay, signed about 20 executive orders. What did the Democrats say? This is an authoritarian. You can't lead by executive order. You can't lead by fiat. What a dirtbag. What is this, Hitler stuff? Come on, man. And then Joe Biden got into office and signed twice as many executive orders his first day on the job. This is politics as usual. Did anyone say a word about that? Of course not. What did the Republicans run on when Obama was in power? Oh, the Tea Party. They're spending too much money. You can't spend money like this. Come on. Our grandkids are going to pay for this. Come on. We're all going to go broke. Every conservative talk show did it. And then what did the Republicans do when they got their hands on power? They spent the damn money. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. You have to understand, man, whenever these parties trade power, they trade playbooks. So now the Republicans are back to yelling and screaming about Democrats spending too much money because they're not the ones in power. But understand, what did the Republicans just do? The McCarthys and the McConnells signed off on a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. Okay, you gave Republicans the power of the purse. Republicans just went out and negotiated a bill without the power of the purse. That is financial lunacy. So when Chip Roy says, sorry, guys, forgive me, but I can't just go along to get along and feel like they're going to meet the needs of our constituents. I'm with Chip Roy, and that might not be popular, but I don't care. I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to be honest. I don't care. I want the country to do good. It's not about towing a party line. It's why I get in trouble for telling you I don't care who the president's going to be. It doesn't matter.
Okay, if president does a good job, you win and I win. President sucks, you suck and I suck. It's just the way it works. So as we speak right now, we've got this fourth ballot underway. McCarthy seems well on his way to losing it. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries is currently leading him 49 to 40 with seven people voting for other. In this case, the other is Byron Donalds, a guy you hear on this show quite frequently. All of our guests are in the running. Jim Jordan was nominated yesterday, got about 20 votes. He's currently, uh, Kat Kamek got a vote. Oh, Kamek didn't get a vote. Oh, Kamek. Isn't this like in this day and age, everybody has to get a trophy, everybody gets a vote. You don't, get, you don't give her a vote just because? What do you mean? Okay, here is Lauren Boebert last night. And uh, she was responding on special report to the criticism of her for holding out. Here it is, clip four. Just last night, two colleagues and myself walked into Kevin McCarthy's office and presented him a very common sense proposal, a deal that got him 218 votes, the gavel on the first ballot. And he smugly rejected that. And it was very common sense things like putting forward a border security bill, putting forward a term limits bill, having uh, a measure in place to where any member of Congress who offers an amendment to reduce the federal debt well that's made in order and there were so many other things that were common sense and even requests that he had made it us uh, of us that we presented to him and uh, right now it is seeming uh, very difficult for Kevin McCarthy to come back around and pick up those votes that I had in hand for him last yeah. night wow so think about that and now we're getting reporting that it's all of the Jim Jordan supporters who appear to be voting for Byron Donald's our own Katie Pavlich tweeting that as well. But if you actually look at the vote tallies right now on the floor, uh, it appears that everybody who voted for Jordan yesterday is in on Donald's today. So BD, the self-proclaimed man with the most swag in Congress, now sitting on eight votes. Uh, McCarthy uh, trailing Hakeem Jeffries 57 to 50, 58 to 50 as we speak. So this round of voting will not yield a House speaker. What will ultimately happen after this is they may adjourn. They may put some pressure on the Republicans to vote present because you just need a clear majority to win this thing. So if the Republican dissenters go away, maybe it gets McCarthy over the top. The point is it is a House divided, and it's a House divided because of things you heard Chip Roy articulate, because of things you heard Lauren Boebert articulate. Okay, they don't trust the establishment to do their bidding. Okay, and understand, though. Here's the other narrative, okay, and it's worth throwing out there. Kevin McCarthy has a storied, illustrious history with being chummy with lobbyists. Tucker was saying this last night. You know, it's funny because I didn't get to watch Tucker last night, but I'm looking at our audio clips. What does Tucker say in clip 12? It's chaotic, but it's refreshing. Amen. Thank you. I was on the wrong show last night. I love you, Laura Ingram. I probably should have been on Tucker. Listen to this, clip 12. Now, the fact that this race has not been settled by now is being described, especially online, by many as embarrassing. And it is embarrassing if you prefer the Soviet-style consensus of the Democratic Party's internal elections, where votes are merely a formality and all the really big decisions, the meaningful ones, are made years in advance by donors. Oh, of course, everyone's on board. That's what they do. But if you prefer democracy to oligarchy, if you prefer real debates about issues that actually matter, it's pretty refreshing to see it. Yes, it's a little chaotic, but this is what it's supposed to be. Thank you. Okay, it's not supposed to be 
well, you know, the lobbyists want this, and we decided whose turn it was six months ago, and once we get back to majority, we're appointing the guy the lobbyists want. That's what's wrong with America right now. Have you, I'm not saying we model ourselves after other countries, but have you ever watched British Parliament, the yelling and the screaming and the putting down and the raucous debate speeches, and it basically turns into an episode of Yo Mama at the Uptown Comedy Club? <laughs> Rob Magnotti, he's an old comic in the 80s. He had a good Yo Mama joke. <laughs> it's like, Yo Mama's so fat, she wore a Malcolm X jacket and a helicopter landed on her back. <laughs> it was rough. But the point is, they got things done uh, over in British Parliament by debating, by fighting it out on the floor. We really don't do that. I want you to really think about how this country's been run. This is the first time in a 100 years that the speaker nominee didn't go through on the first vote. Does that sound like spirited debate? Does that sound like an honest give and take? Or does it sound like we've anointed a person and they're getting the gig whether the voters care or or not? Excuse me, I think you know the answer. Okay, but realize now, the fact that we're cl- he just lost a fourth vote <laughs> means we're going to a fifth vote. We haven't had two votes in 100 years. Now we're getting five. At the very least, maybe they're getting a message in Washington that there are some people that are going there, walking the halls of Congress in hopes of helping the people. Byron Donalds just voted for himself, by the way. So he's up to nine votes. Byron Donalds is on this show all the time. Could be the next speaker if, in fact, McCarthy doesn't get the votes this time around. Maybe they say, listen, why don't we throw this guy up? Give him a shot. In all honesty, it's the greatest thing Republicans could ever do. That's why I always tell you Tim Scott would make a good presidential candidate. It's because you have to, at some point, take the race card away from the Democrats. They play it so effectively by just being, oh, they're your racist. You know, and but to be clear, we've seen them call black Republicans racists. They called Larry Elder with a straight face. They called him the black face of white supremacy. What the hell did you just say? He was running against Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom had turned California into the world's largest outdoor restroom. Can't walk a block in California without seeing someone go big potty on the sidewalk. But their rebuttal to that was that the black Republican running against him was a white supremacist. I mean, dude. That's stupid. Use your common sense. The Democrats flocked to it. They called Tim Scott Uncle Tim after he gave a rebuttal to the State of the Union. They are willing to play the race card against anybody. But there are limitations to the race card when it's being played against a member of that race. I don't doubt that a lot of self-hating white people will flock to the word racist and go, oh, we don't like this Donald's guy. We don't like this Tim Scott guy. But do you understand over the course of a prolonged season of debate, When they get to know the true caliber and timber of these two men who appear on this show, why? Because they are great human beings who actually know their stuff and are not establishment shills. They can convincingly make the case to other black voters that they have a safe haven in the Republican Party that doesn't exist in the Democratic Party. Okay, the Democrats would have black voters believe they don't even have a choice. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. But the Democrats are also presiding over a 35-year high in the murder rate and a 30% spike in the black murder rate in the wake of the defund the police movement. 
it wasn't the Republicans that wanted to defund the police. I'll play a montage. Tell me if you hear any Republicans in here. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. Defund the police does not mean abolish the police. It means a dramatic reduction in the number of police in our poor communities. I am for defunding the police. Look, the reality is we can't rely upon the police to provide public safety. It's a moment to reimagine policing, to take things off the shoulders. And what we also want is a reconception of how we achieve public safety. How do we take out many of the responsibilities that police officers are now dealing with by investing more into housing, into education, into these other things? You know, in, in many cities in America, over one third of their city budget goes to police. So we have to have this conversation. Kamala's what are we doing? I mean, really. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha ha! She really is. Like, really think about that. The Democrats defunded the police. They cut a billion dollars from the budget here in New York. They cut a billion dollars in California. Okay, they waged a rhetorical and financial war on police. It led to a 40-year high in early retirements. The streets are less safe for the black community because of the Democrats. And one of the reasons the Democrats have continued to garner huge support from the black community is because they've ran with a narrative that Republicans are a bunch of racists. But it's not Republicans and their policies that have failed the black communities. It is the Democrats. So if Byron Donalds, who's now up to 12 votes, by the way, wow, if somehow we get through this round, McCarthy doesn't have it, and there's a backroom deal to make, I don't know, Byron Donalds the, the, maybe the new face in round five, I'm telling you it would be such a win for this country because, yes, they'll continue to play the race card. It's all they have. They don't want to engage on substance. They just want to say, give me what you want. Give me what I want. Or you're a racist. Or you're a homophobe. Or you're a misogynist. That's how politics work in 2023. But the point is there's a very limited shelf life to playing the race card against black candidates. So for my money, if McCarthy falls on his well-tanned face in this round of voting and BD's the guy, it's a win for America. It really is. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. But it could end today. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Byron Donalds now at 12 votes. Kevin McCarthy, to be clear, in the lead, 117 to 115 over Hakeem Jeffries. But he will fall far short of the threshold needed to be the next Speaker of the House. Now, at this point, okay, it's two things worth noting. One is this is the fourth time McCarthy has put up for vote and failed. It is the fourth time. That was embarrassing. I mean, it really is because this is not the action of a party that is completely behind the guy. And it's worth pointing out that this fourth failure comes 
after Donald Trump tweeted or truth social this morning that all the Republicans could shut up, get in line and get behind McCarthy. That's what Trump tweeted. Did it work? The answer would be no. So I'm just telling you as an honest broker of politics, okay, that this latest failure will be pinned to Trump a little bit as well. Now, McCarthy is Trump's, you know, self-appointed guy. McCarthy is prominently linked to Trump. The party is moving in a weird direction. It's going through an awkward birth canal right now. That doesn't make me a rhino. That doesn't mean I don't like Donald Trump. That doesn't mean I wouldn't vote for him over Joe Biden or any Democrat. What it does mean is that I'm capable of offering you nuance on these issues. And I say that because I got like such a nasty, hate-filled, uh, barrage of I hope you die messages yesterday on the Facebook page for suggesting Trump might not win the nomination. And I'm like, dude, it's a talk show. You're not supposed to get that mad. You're not supposed to care. You're supposed to understand that the world's a big, giant, complicated place. And there's a lot of factors that go into, you know, the course of history. To be clear, Donald Trump won in 2016 because his priorities resonated with the American people more than Hillary Clinton's did. And despite her having the entirety of the media in her back pocket and all of late night, okay, and every celebrity in Hollywood, and twice the spending advantage Trump had, the the message, it still did not resonate. And the campaign ended with her howling at the moon. Okay, so he won, and he deserved to win, and I'm glad he won. And he didn't steal it, and Russia didn't help him cheat. None of that happened. Okay, but that doesn't mean that to pull this off a second time and become a Grover Cleveland and serve two non-concurrent terms, he doesn't have obstacles to overcome. Okay, one is the fact that DeSantis has raised a lot more money than he has, is running a state a lot better technically than Trump ran the country. I mean, you have to understand where Trump's going to have a problem, like he's beating DeSantis head to head in the polls. But where Trump's going to have a problem is they haven't gone head to head on a stage. And whereas Trump listened to Fauci and didn't call the shots, DeSantis is able to look the voter in the eye and say, hey, I didn't listen to Fauci. He didn't tank my economy. He didn't close my schools. He didn't shut down my businesses. Okay, I called the shots. Okay, for whatever you think of Trump. Wonderful. Great. Okay, Trump let Fauci destroy the back end of his presidency. That happened. That doesn't make me a bad guy. That just makes me an honest broker of the truth. And it's going to be a lot for Trump to overcome that with the fact that a lot of Democrats hate the guy and you need some of them to vote for you. If they hate you, it's hard to do. A lot of independents hate the guy. Is he better than Biden? Yes. But there are going to be other alternatives with a lot of money, and he's going to have to face off against them is the point I'm trying to make. I don't know how it's going to play out. The only thing I know is you're a crazy person if you don't think DeSantis is running. And I will share the proof of why with you when we come back. Sean Davis is going to be here. Chadwick Moore is going to be here. And damn it, you better be here because we're having a grown-up talk, a big boy, a big girl, a big they, a big them discussion right here on The Big Bad, one and only Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is, girlfriend. And we are fired up. Got a big hour with Sean Davis, the CEO and co-founder of The Federalist, who is going to be joining us to keep track of the food fight going on in the House of Representatives right now as we get on the airwaves for another big hour. I should, of course, welcome all of you. 
uh, and remind you if you're listening for the first time to lower your standards fast. Uh, my radio superpower is the fact that I do not have one. I'm a former New York City cab driver who just kind of sees the world through the same lens as you. I'm pretty relatable and I'm pretty empowering because if you listen to an hour of this show, you will walk away thinking you too could host a nationally syndicated radio show. Uh, but at the moment, I am in charge, Captain Phillips. I am the captain now. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you want to row along in your raft, storm this little rig, Captain Phillips style. Uh, the nomination process is not looking good for Kevin McCarthy. He has now lost a fourth consecutive vote. Get him out of here. Get him out. Now, worth pointing out, actually, uh, Trump was not calling to get him out of here. Trump, at the tippy top of the day today, posted a truth social saying that they should all get in line behind McCarthy, take the win, and get on with their lives. That's what Trump called for. It did not work. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm just telling the truth. It didn't work. Okay, that's where we are right now. This is very much evidence of Trump's influence on the party waning. Okay, this was unfathomable. Okay, right now there are 20 Republicans on record defying Trump's wishes in the House of Representatives. That was unfathomable six months ago. That was career suicide a year ago. It's now something that's growing in prominence. Why? Because the Republican Party kind of does feel not just the tea leaves changing in Washington, but amongst the voters as well. Now, I'm not here right now to tell you Ron DeSantis is going to be Republican standard bearer in 2024. I have no idea. It's a long time between now and 2024. And the truth is the Republicans have a really deep bench. Okay, really deep. Okay, DeSantis is great. A guy like Tim Scott is phenomenal because, again, he turns the Democratic race narrative on its head. Nikki Haley would do a fine job. Christy Noem would do a fine job. Okay, and I'm not saying Trump's a bad guy either. I'm just, you know, comparative to the Democrats, they're all great. But the Republicans have a deep bench. We're a long way from home. And one of the things they have going for them is the Democrats have not only run the country into the ground, but they're now sexualizing little kids. What a bunch of weirdos. They really are. And as I was saying on the Faulkner Focus today, I was on with Harris Faulkner. Ron DeSantis got sworn in as governor yesterday and basically gave his 2024 presidential inaugural address. You know, Florida's where woke goes to die. Florida's where little kids aren't going to be sexualized. A lot of parents, okay, moving to Florida right now, they're getting as much incoming population as any other state in America. Texas is one. Florida is two. What do those two states have in common? They're offering voters, they're offering families maximum strength. Freedom! Lots and lots of freedom. You know what else they have in common? We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. They are proudly pro-American. They're not running on we owe reparations. They're not running on, we've got to give climate money to third world corrupt nations that are only going to pocket it anyway because America has been a force of destruction to our climate around the world. No, they're not running on white guilt or moral superiority. They're running on freedom. Freedom. Okay, the other thing DeSantis is running on that is so appealing to parents is protecting our children. Okay, they tried to slander the Parental Rights in in Education Act as a don't say 
gay bill. That is a fact check false. The bill never, ever, ever mentioned the word gay once. Not at one point in its six pages did it ban, criminalize, or outlaw gay. Democrats are so full of crap. Totally. They were trying to start a war for no good reason. Disney got involved because there was an uprising in its boardroom. And Disney's employees were like, they're banning gay people. Like, Florida's not getting gay people. Has anyone been to Key West? Has anyone been to South Beach? Okay, thriving communities, loaded with gay people, having a wonderful time as they should. Okay, but they slandered this bill as don't say gay because they were trying to weaken DeSantis politically because the people on the woke left never let the facts get in the way of a good protest. Because, you see, their protests aren't about the people they're supposed to be looking out for. They're about the moral superiority of the protesters. They're out there protesting as a means of saying we're better people than these monsters. They need a straw man to get out of bed every day and point the finger at to feel better about themselves. That's why Trump was so valuable to Democrats and their allies in the media. They can get out of bed every day and say the guy was literally Hitler every day. And all those self-hating white liberals could be like, yeah, that's right, he is Hitler. Yeah, look at him. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. No, they're not. And to be clear, if Trump was literally Hitler, as we were told, then how come every one of these media platforms had him on every damn day of every week of every month of every year for 30 years before deciding he was literally Hitler? Why? Because obviously they knew better, but they were gaslighting the country. Think about like NBC. NBC had dedicated its channel in the last five years to being the Trump is the devil network. What did NBC do prior to that? They spent 14 years employing Donald Trump. So if he's Hitler, wouldn't that make them like Goebbels or something like that? The point is it's all a scam. And to the credit of a guy like Trump, he was a great counterpuncher. He never let any slight go. Okay, he fought back. But the fact that there was as much fighting, the fact that there was as much chaos has left a residual effect, fair or unfair, right or wrong. Trump is not responsible for the riot at the Capitol. But the riot at the Capitol is very much associated with his presidency because it took place at the very end of his presidency. And the point I'm trying to make there is the Democrats, with a little help from Trump, have succeeded in attaching a lot of baggage to his potential candidacy in 2024. DeSantis, yes, he's going to get the same slanders as Trump, but he gets into this thing with a record that parents really get behind. Parents, parents matter. Parents show up to the polls because they care about the future their kids are going to inherit. Okay, parents saw Florida keep its schools open. Parents saw Florida throw a big right hook at Disney, take away their tax privileges and say, you're not going to pressure us into sexualizing kids. I mean, think about the world we're living in where the Democrats want to teach sex ed, sex ed to kids in kindergarten. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. Because the truth is political trolling, culture war opposition has become so bitterly personal. It's become so emotional that it's denying people the self-awareness to tell them they sound insane. It's denying them the self-awareness to realize they're harming the kids. Okay, understand This whole trend of taking little kids to drag shows, taking little kids to strip shows, one of the things I was talking about with Harris today that I brought up that I was alluding to the TV appearance was the fact that Crocs is catching heat because Crocs is now sponsoring a drag show. 
where little kids are not only encouraged to attend a drag show, but they're encouraged to dress and drag and walk the runway as drag queens. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Okay, listen, you could do it. I'm fine. But you've got to understand people are going to have a reaction. In a lot of instances, the reaction is to pack a U-Haul and move to a place like Texas and Florida where their kids aren't going to be sexualized because people on the left are just trying to win some type of loony culture war. Okay, think about the world you live in right now. Think about the world you live in. If you walk into your workplace right now and talk to an adult coworker about sex, you're getting fired. But if you talk to their kindergarten kid about sex, you're getting hired? What the hell is the world coming to? That's what we're doing in blue states. Talk to your co you talk to your coworkers about sex. That's me too. You're out of here. But if you go into the ca- the classroom and pull out a sex toy, you got yourself a job. They're crazy. They're idiots. And the fact that DeSantis is flying into that storm, and the fact that DeSantis already has an established record of standing up to that storm makes him really formidable. Okay, yes, there's also the idea again. That for all the demonization of Anthony Fauci, which is deserved, Anthony Fauci was just garbage. He should be behind bars. A lot of people feel that way. But the fact remains, DeSantis did not follow the Fauci edict. Okay, here is DeSantis in being sworn in as governor, basically giving his 2024 stump speech. It's clip 27. When other states consign their people's freedom to the dustbin, Florida stood strongly as freedom's linchpin. The policies pursued by these states have sparked a mass exodus of productive Americans from these jurisdictions, with Florida serving as the most desired destination, a promised land of sanity. We will never surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. Yeah, where woke goes to die. I got nothing wrong with that. Here's a little more DeSantis, just so you understand. The points he's making really matter. And the fact that he has a record of fighting these battles already. The guy fought Disney. Disney is the most valuable tax constituency in the state of Florida. He fought them. That's real principle. When overwhelming pressure was being dumped on him by the media to close schools and shut down businesses, he gave them a big, fat middle finger. That's real principle. Again, nothing I'm saying means Trump is bad. It doesn't mean I don't like Trump. It doesn't mean I won't vote for him over a Democrat. But the point I'm making is if you get the principle and you get the policy without the baggage— DeSantis is a lot more appealing than people are giving him credit for in this moment. Everybody's like, oh, look at the primary polls. Trump's killing him. Of course he is. Trump's a bigger name. Trump just coming off a presidency where, to be clear, he kind of did get the shaft. But he didn't handle it well in the aftermath, which gives him a little more baggage and creates an opening for somebody like DeSantis, who are those policies with a lot more emotional discipline and a lot less baggage. Here's the rest of the DeSantis montage, clip 28. Florida's success has been made more difficult by the floundering federal establishment in Washington, D.C. It wields its authority through a sprawling, unaccountable, and out-of-touch bureaucracy that does not act on behalf of us. Florida is proof positive that we, the people, are not destined for failure. Decline is a choice. Success is attainable. And freedom is worth fighting for. And what is he really saying? 
We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Bottom line. So I'm not telling you DeSantis is going to beat Trump. I'm not telling you Trump is bad and I need more death threats in my inbox. Don't worry. I, I, it's nothing. It means nothing. It's fun. Okay. Death threats in this day and age are lazy. Somebody just messages you and is like, screw you. You're going to die. Okay. I have a guy on Instagram impersonating me and messaging people as myself. And our own cyber team here at Fox has contacted Instagram two months ago asking them to take down the account and they won't take down the account. So the guy is messaging people on Instagram claiming to be me. Okay. I've messaged him myself and said, come on, dude, this isn't cool. Happy New Year and all that, but come on, what are you doing? But they don't care, okay? But the point I was trying to make is I'm used to this crap because I'm honest. And a lot of times honesty is inconvenient. But the reality right now in Washington is Kevin McCarthy, backed by Donald Trump two hours ago, has just failed to get the nomination for a fourth consecutive round of voting. But if you think this is a sloppy nominating process, wait till you see the presidential campaign. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be rapping with Federalist co-founder and CEO Sean Davis joins us in the next break to discuss Kevin McCarthy's fourth consecutive failure to win the House speakership. It's worth noting again, he was endorsed emphatically on Truth Social this morning by Donald Trump. Byron Donald's frequent guest on this show, now the second leading vote getter amongst Republicans. But it is Hakeem Jeffries in the Democratic Party still in the majority with 212 votes. Now, technically speaking, the pressure they keep putting on the Republicans to get behind McCarthy is, well, look how close Jeffries is. We're going to have a Democratic Speaker of the House if you don't just hurry up and pick McCarthy. No, you're not, because none of the holdouts voting against McCarthy are going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries. Okay, they're refusing to support McCarthy because they think he's not conservative enough. The alternative is a guy that's so far to the left, he wants to defund the cop and the village people. Okay, there is no world where Hakeem Jeffries is going to be the speaker. These are the dumb pressure points. This is how stuff gets done in Washington. Hey, we need to pick. This is embarrassing. That's not what that's not a reason to pick the wrong guy because we're embarrassed. What are we embarrassed by? We need somebody who's going to represent our interest in Washington. And if that happens Thursday, Friday or a week from Groundhog Day, the point is we get our guy. There's nothing to be embarrassed about if we actually make progress and get what we want as voters. Okay, right now we're not getting what we want as voters. What we're being presented with is a Republican leadership that went along with the omnibus spending bill negotiated by Democrats, 4,100 pages long, asked to vote on it without even getting a chance to read it. That's status quo Washington. That's what's destroying the country. We don't have to be socially pressured into supporting more of that because, oh, this is embarrassing. What is the other reason they're giving you? Well, if we, we got to get it done because otherwise we're not going to be able to go after the Bidens. We're not going to investigate Fauci. What do you mean? Why? Because we started Friday instead of Thursday? 
they don't have valid reasons. Do you understand? When people's logic doesn't stand up to scrutiny, it means the whole thing is a scam. Bingo. Okay, McCarthy should not be the speaker. He's 0 for 4. He doesn't have the support. This was sold to you, understand, as, well, there's five radicals. There's five rebels. There's five MAGA lunatics holding us hostage. Dude, it's up to 21 now. It's up to 21. That is not MAGA, okay? MAGA came down the escalator last night on Truth Social, posted two separate posts saying vote for McCarthy. Okay, so you can't blame this on MAGA because MAGA wants McCarthy. Okay, here's a newsflash. MAGA ain't getting McCarthy. Not now, probably not ever, the way this is going. And McCarthy is an establishment shill. You know, it's funny. We're going to talk about this, okay, with Sean Davis in the next break. Here was, you know, Tucker said this last night, okay? He's a guy who's beholden to the lobbyist community, not conservative ideals. And that's just reality, okay? When you look at the voting record, when you look at the spending bill, I'm not saying, listen, if he's the guy, we're going to root for him to do right by the country. We're not going to root against the country. But it also doesn't mean you just rubber stamp him as the House leader. And the reasons to do so are it's embarrassing. Oh, the Democrats are laughing at us. Is there a world where the Democrats get out of bed and go, oh, the Republicans did a good thing today? The answer would be no. No, it doesn't matter. Okay, in the eyes of the Democrats, okay, you're a white supremacist. You stormed the Capitol because you're a racist. You hate women. You hate gays. You hate trans people. And you hate any minority. That's the Democratic worldview. That doesn't change because that's what they do to win elections. So I don't know. Maybe if the Republican Party wants to get ahead, maybe if the Republican Party wants to rally its base, maybe instead of catering to what Democrats are going to say about us, you start catering to what Voters want. I agree with that. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. So fired up to talk to this next guest. He is not only... Is he the CEO and co-founder of The Federalist, the way things are going? He could be the next Speaker of the House. Sean Davis is here to reject or accept my nomination. Well, I'll tell you, um, I, I feel like I would do a really good job there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in. You're, Davis is in. Hold on. McCarthy's about to fail a fifth time. This is crazy. And I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't spent the last two days hemorrhaging votes, so I feel like I'm in a really <laughs> strong position right now. All right, so stick with me. Let me ask you then. Do you love this as much as I do? Because I love this. Yeah, I'll tell you, I don't have a problem with it. I'm yeah. seeing all this hand-wringing and, like, rending of garments. Oh, this is so messy, mm-hmm. and it's complicated and embarrassing. Oh, what's the embarrassing part where 435 idiots actually have to show up to work every day and vote? (laughs) Oh, yeah, like my stars and garters. This is a crisis. (laughs) It's so but it's so true, though, because here's the thing. Nobody is going to care in a week if this took three days or five days. No one's going to care. This is not like an issue when people go to the polls next year. It's like, you know, inflation's out of control. The border's wide open. But they did take four days to pick a speaker. That's number one. Okay? Number two, it's like, you know, I like that establishment Republicans are having to go through this only because, to be clear, they kind of screwed us over with the omnibus spending bill, did they not? 
A- absolutely. They absolutely did. And to me, the scandal is is not that we're going to spend a cu- couple days or weeks picking a Speaker of the House. To me, the scandal is that this process isn't being repeated over and over again for every single leadership position yeah. uh, in Congress and in the Republican Party. Like, why is it that Kevin McCarthy, of all people, is the only one who's having to fight uh, for this promotion? Like, yeah. we didn't see that in the Senate no. with a guy who just fails over and over again. <laughs> it's just uh, every year we should just have a total house cleaning, mm-hmm. throw everyone in the octagon. They have to fight for it. Whoever's still standing at the end wins. <laughs> I, that would be better, I think, than this business of the oldest idiot in the room or the guy who's been there the longest is the one who gets the most powerful job. Yes. That that seems idiotic to me. S- spot on. Uh, Sean Davis is on the line, CEO, co-founder of The Federalist. And no, you're right, man. It's like the McConnell thing blew my mind because and, – and it's part and parcel of what's going on with McCarthy. You can kind of see the swamp pieces falling right back into place. You know, because McConnell is like polling behind ISIS. Okay, his approval rating really is like single digits. And the fact that he was able to slink right back in there means it was just going back to business as usual. And that's what I took the spending bill as. And, I, you know, again, I can't begrudge younger members of Congress who don't take them at their word that these investigations or that this domestic agenda they're supposed to be pursuing is going to be a dogged pursuit with certain people at the tippy top in the positions of power. So I listen, I think it's hilarious. I don't mind the squirming. But I want to ask you this. Who do you think is more invested in the outcome right now, the president of the United States or the president of Ukraine? Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. I'm surprised Zelensky hasn't thrown his own name in here. <laughs> showing up in his uh, his uh, green jammies and joggers uh, straight from the front lines uh, to tell us why he actually needs to be Speaker of the House. Well, I was... um, yeah, <laughs> and I'm surprised we're not getting lectured that, you know, the longer this goes on, the more that Ukraine's democracy is at stake. We just, for the sake of Ukraine, we can't have this. It's it's coming. You'll, you'll know when McCarthy plays the Ukraine card. He's finished. There's nothing left. But, I mean, sir, let's just talk objectively. And I will defend Zelensky, by the way. I had mentioned this earlier, that he only showed up in his jammies because a member of the Biden administration stole his luggage. I mean, that's probably the case. But um, do you think after four defeats and a and worth noting defeats with a heavy handed Trump endorsement this morning on Truth Social, if four rounds of voting and a Trump endorsement don't get McCarthy over the top, is he supposed to withdraw or how what do you recommend? No, I don't I don't recommend anyone withdraw mm-hmm. or like anyone throw their hats in the ring. I, I, I want them all to fight this out if he needs to make concessions. To get this job, okay. that he should go make them. Like that's that's how this stuff works. We we seem to have gotten this idea that all this stuff is supposed to be preordained and nice and clean and easy. And I just reject that entirely. Like I, I'm not I'm not pro McCarthy. I'm not anti McCarthy. Like those people in that room have a job to do, mm-hmm. and they should keep voting until that job is done, and then they can get back to their hobby, which is screwing us out of our own money, uh, <laughs> which we all know is like everyone's favorite thing to do up there. But no, I, I don't think McCarthy should drop out or stay in. Like, but let the process uh, work its way out, okay. whether it takes hours or days or weeks. I don't care. Yeah, it's actually fun. I mean, and if you think about it, like it's like it's almost like a comet. Like we haven't had one of these since 1923 which means we probably haven't been doing our due diligence the past hundred years to have not had any of this. So yeah, I'm with you. I'll watch it forever. I don't care if it takes a month because if you get the right person, you know, you win in the long run anyway. You know, the problem now 
is everybody is such a prisoner of the moment that it's really easy to make these catchy pressure campaigns work on. Like, this is embarrassing. Pick somebody already. But it's it's been a day. You know what I'm saying? Or like you said earlier, well, the Ukraine, it's been a day. And when it comes to the whole idea that, well, we can't get started on holding the Bidens accountable, I really don't think anyone can articulate the difference between starting on Thursday or starting on Friday. Can you? No, and you you bring up such a good point that so much of public life now um, is driven by people demanding that you have a proper or or a, or a certain emotional reaction right now. Mm-hmm. If you don't say the right words on Twitter or on social media right now, it means uh, the arc of history is against you. Yep. Okay, we see this with Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We saw this with COVID. We saw this during the football game yep. on Monday night. That if you didn't mouth the right words in the right order at the right moment. How dare you? Well, I was kind of done with all that. Yeah, like, no, it's I'm it, done with all these hype cycles people, yeah. meant to force you to make decisions when you're not ready to make them. Yeah, no, people people are. Believe me, and I was on the, I was on the both sides of one of those yesterday because what happened in my feed yesterday at the beginning of the day is I did not have people questioning whether or not the vaccine contributed to this poor football player's health situation. I had like 22 people in my feed telling me emphatically that it did happen. And I said, we sound like Democrats, you know, in the aftermath of a mass shooting, just emphatically declaring we know why this happened and why we need to take a very specific position. And I said, we always get mad at Democrats for doing that. We shouldn't do that with the vaccine. But a lot of people did take that as me saying you have no right to even ask the question when the truth is you have every right to ask the question, given the preponderance of data that we no, you know, but I could see I'm not kidding, Sean, like some of the fire that came back at me was very reflective of what you just articulated, which is that people are exhausted of being told what to think and what to say. And I do agree with that. So I kind of find fault of myself for the way it was phrased. But at the same time, I do not want to be emphatically blaming anything without fact. That's where I think we could use a little more tact uh, because I hate when the left does that. Like whenever there's a shooting, you know, I mean, you don't even have cops on the scene. And they're, you know, posting pictures of Republicans who voted against gun control, you know, and I think that's a little reflexive and gross, too. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like the way I'm wired is the very moment someone says, you know, I can't do that or how dare you or you're not allowed to say that or you're not allowed to ask that or that's mean. I'm going to do the opposite. <laughs> and I wish that was a reflex that more people had because mm-hmm. we have so many automatons now. Um, uh, on either side where they're just looking to jump in and demand you mouth the right words and Mm -hmm. say the right things uh, because you're going to be on the wrong side of history. I don't care who's doing it for whatever reason. You come at me with that nonsense and I'm doing the opposite. And I wish we had more people doing that. Sean Davis is on the phone and uh, he is mad as hell and he's not going to take it anymore. And rightfully so. It's It's a lot to be mad about. I laugh, though. Something that made me laugh was Biden getting uninvited to the Pope's funeral. You know, we had the second string Pope died this week. Um, did you find it kind of funny because he was trying to tap dance around it yesterday? But, you know, the fact remains, you know, the last pope was a lot more conservative and probably beholden to that religious canon than the current pope is. Uh, and I think being, a, you know, one of the biggest advocates of radical abortion rightfully drew him the scorn of the last pope. Did you enjoy that on any level? I mean, I'm I'm just so embarrassed by that guy on on all levels. I, I can't say I enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I will say I was not remotely surprised by it. Okay, it's it just classic Biden. But I mean, at it, it, the same time, you know, with the time change switch over there, 
it's got to be a lot of work for his people to get the meds dialed up and the cocktail <laughs> right you, in order for him to be on at the right moment. So, so I get it. All right, so give me this. I'm gonna, we're just going to go straight you and me. No one's listening now. Cut the mics off. Cut the listeners off. I just want to run a few things by you. I have had sitting members of Congress in both parties say to me, uh, somebody said it to me on the air once. I've had three people say it to me off the air, that what you just said is very possibly true. In fact, I had two members of Congress tell me they believe that what you just said is true. I know we joke about it, but do you believe he's getting B12 before major events? Because I had two members of, of Congress. He say, is. You think so? That's of course he is. <laughs> so, which brings me to my next question. In what world is he running at the age of 82? If he well, I mean, he it. didn't run at the age of 78, and it worked <laughs> out for him. So, what is, like, to me, 2020 was such a perfect test case for the left to yeah. like see what they could get away with. Mm-hmm. They had a zombie in a basement, you know, chewing on his own tongue for uh, 12 <laughs> months, and he got to be president. Why on earth would they not run the same playbook again? It <laughs> so you're telling me we're a variant away from Biden being able to run in 2024? A COVID oh, I don't variant. even think we need a variant. I, I think he's running. Oh, that's so amazing. I mean, I think his wife wants him to run, obviously, clearly has no regard for the poor guy. Because if you're watching this play out, it's bad. Like, you know, we don't really pay the attention to it that I promise you our enemies do. But do you remember when he was given the FEMA briefing and he walked out mid-sentence and started wandering around the office workers? Do you remember that clip? Oh, I, oh, I do. Oh, okay, yeah. So my, my point is it kind of gets swept under the rug in like a half hour of the American news cycle. But I promise you the people forming opinions of how to act on the world stage probably spend a little more time on that, don't you think? I think they do, and I think they know better than anyone that this guy's not in charge. I, I would like to know who is. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's certainly not this guy. And everyone with a brain and a, a modicum of honesty uh, knows that's true. Thank you. Maybe they'll nominate him to be speaker. Who knows where this day is going to end, Sean Davis? I don't know. <laughs> I, I do not know. He could be prompter, teleprompter of the House. Uh, one more. Did you see that DeSantis uh, swearing in yesterday? And did it make you think he was more or less likely to be running in 2024? Oh, man, I'll tell you, I learned in 2016 not to make political prognostications. <laughs> Fair. So I, and, and I'm not going to start now. Um, I, I have no idea if the guy is going to run or not. I, I think he's been a great governor. Uh, thank goodness he's been governor of Florida, because if we didn't have him as an example of how to face down the COVID hysterics, Mm-hmm. Just one guy in one state. Can you imagine how much worse it would have been? Oh, I know. Think of, No, you think about that. That that alone is really is worth its weight in gold, especially like up here in New York, where I mean, the Cuomo thing, to be clear, Cuomo basically got me too'd out of office. He got strategically me too'd because nobody wanted to revisit the actual elder side he committed in nursing homes. So the me too for them was like a gift from the heavens because they didn't have to go back and relitigate it. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. That is 100 percent what happened. And then I think there was also uh, some concern about uh, Biden and his state and uh, Kamala's people wanted to make sure uh, that she wasn't going to get Cuomo'd if she decided to run in 2024. <laughs> so crazy. Sean Davis telling it like it is. Uh, listen, great hang as always. I do believe we lived up to our billing as two homeless guys on opposite street corners. Yeah, we're starting the new year right, screaming <laughs> at each other from our garbage cans. I don't know that we can say homeless anymore. I think that the Stanford term is free-range people, though. 
Uh, we are residentially challenged. <laughs> you still got it, man. Happy New Year. I'll see you soon. Happy New Year. There he goes. The great Sean Davis. Spot on, man. We always, I always laugh with Sean because he and I, prior to him being on the show together, we'd never done any type of media together. But uh, I do uh, have a great appreciation for his political instincts and his sensibility. And it's funny because there are a lot of people that, you know, we kind of have like similar opinions or we gravitate in a similar similar orbit. But you never do any media together because it's like the theory I had given him when we first met, as I said, it's like as a cab driver, you know, one thing I always noticed is you'd never see two crazy homeless guys standing on the same street corner. Because their crazies kind of cancel each other out. And even though they're too crazy to directly communicate, they at least have the horse sense to move to opposite sides of the street. So me and Davis have always communicated as if we were standing next to dueling garbage cans on either side of 8th Avenue, just yelling political obscenities at each other. And that's a lot of what it was. But I bring up the 8th Avenue vibe mainly because, to reiterate what we said earlier about Andrew Cuomo, uh, Hansy Andy Cuomo, remember him? Andy! really was run out of town uh, via the Me Too allegation because it was a lot more convenient than relitigating what the media had covered for in the run-up to the 2020 election. The point we were trying to make on a larger scale is these people are capable of anything if it means getting their person in power. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America, your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Over in the House of Representatives, the speaker vote for Kevin McCarthy about to move to a fifth ballot. I got a bad feeling about this. Interesting soundbite from the McCarthy camp. Uh, Byron Donald, BD, you hear him on the show all the time. Uh, He is now the leading alternative in the Republican Party. He just did an appearance on here on the Fox News Channel on America Reports. He is now standing in the back of the chamber, I believe getting nominated for another go-round by Lauren Boebert, who yesterday nominated Jim Jordan saying McCarthy rejected a deal, was smug about it, got him to 218 votes. And uh, understand the anti-McCarthy vote within the Republican Party has now grown with every round of balloting. What that means is it's not going backwards. That's true. That is true. Meaning he's not going to actually get the vote. Uh, And if he is, uh, every one of these people was ridiculous for taking it to a fifth round. (laughs) If they were really just doing it for a little handout in a backroom deal, this could have been done in round number one or round number two, at which point the Republicans will look a little ridiculous. But right now, the truth is, the harder they make him work for this job, Okay, the better off you're going to be, the better off I'm going to be. That is correct. So as we get ready for vote number five, we will, of course, be following it live. Uh, But it does not look like there's a path right now. And understand, he is 0 for 4, including the latest vote, which came with a double-barreled endorsement from Donald Trump and resulted in McCarthy losing even more support 
than he had going into the vote. That can't be good. And again, that's not necessarily a reflection on Trump, but it is a reflection on changing times in the Republican Party and the fact that the people out there are willing to think for themselves instead of going along to get along. That is a thing. Okay, so it's going to be a very interesting hour of radio coming up on this show for once. Uh, Chadwick Moore is going to be here. He's an editor at The Spectator. You always watch him on Tucker. He's the dirtbag who beat me out of the game show by complaining that we had a faulty buzzer after I won four to nothing. Uh, He got a bonus question and beat me with one correct answer to my four. That's not right. It's not right. But you know what? We make amends. We move on. We'll be the bigger party, and that's what we'll do in the next hour with my man Chadwick Moore. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are fired up for a rowdy hour of some top-shelf radio in this bottom-feeding political world. It's Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. And as we take to the airwaves in an hour, that'll include one of my all-time favorite guests, the great Chadwick Moore. We are also keeping tabs on the fifth attempt by Kevin McCarthy to gain the House speakership. Voting underway now. We are up to 90 votes. Does it look like he's going to make it? (laughs) McCarthy has already lost the fifth speaker ballot, fifth. He is now 0 for 5 in five attempts to become the Speaker of the House. Uh, 888-788-9910, the phone number. If you want to nominate somebody, you want to nominate yourself, are we getting it wrong? Should we just hand the keys to McCarthy? Is my man Byron Donalds, who's currently emerging as the Republican alternative, maybe he the right guy for the job? I personally love Byron Donalds. This is not political. I have had the pleasure of meeting him and speaking to him off the air. For me, all of my value judgments on people come down to not what they do on the air because I can make anybody look good. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just saying I'm a very conversational guy, and I do the kind of show that's light and it's fun. So when we cover the substance, it's easy for people to come off well on this show if they're not just doing talking points. If you're a stiff wooden puppet and you're just giving me your stump speech, you look terrible on this show, which is why there's a lot of lawmakers we haven't had on in years because, like, I'm over here, like, making sock puppets and telling you that my child is a mess and, you know, my wife is shacking up at the landscaper, and they're just like, Jimmy, the American people don't care about landscaping. They care about inflation and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, I'm kidding. But the true measure of a guy is not whether or not he can roll with me on the air, although we do appreciate and prioritize the guests who can. The true measure is what I get out of people when they're off the air. You know what I mean? I've met lots of lawmakers, lots of lawmakers that on the air, you know, oh, yeah, they're the macho man. You know, but off the air, they're best friends with the other side and they don't care. And again, I'm all for unity. I'm all for bipartisanship if it's helping the country. But a lot of what Washington has become is showbiz. It's become showbiz and uh, not very good actors. And one of the things I had the, I guess, pleasure of experiencing last year is, if you remember, I went to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And uh, I saw just how showbizy it was because the night before the Correspondents' Dinner, Uh, I was at a mixer. You know, everybody in TV were represented by agencies. And one of the big agents uh, had a big party. 
And oddly enough, a lot of people are represented by the same agencies. You know, so you see CNN people at the cocktail party. CNN is the worst. Maybe so. And you see some MSNBC people. They're over there as well. And, you know, I even saw Jen Psaki. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. Maybe so. But the point is, at the cocktail party, this is where it gets show busy. At the cocktail party, the cameras are off. I meet Jen Saki, say hello. She actually knows who I am. She's like, uh, maybe not by name. I'm like, hey, Jen Saki in the house. She's like, hello, TV friend. So she didn't say like Jimmy Fail, a Fox guy, but you know, probably recognize me because they hate watch Fox all day. Uh, and we chatted, and it was polite uh, as you are in those settings. But the next day. I saw her on the red carpet at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and she was like, don't you even look at me. That's just how white folks will do you. <laughs> because the cameras are on. That's the showbiz aspect of it. The night before, Jen Psaki, party animal. I love a hang with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> the next day, we're on the red carpet. I'm like, Jen Psaki, good to see you. It's your old pal. And- <laughs> Nothing. Zero, zip, zilch. So in my moments of being around Washington and being on the road doing stand-up and having people in my studio, I've gotten a really good feel for who I think is intelligent off the air and who I think genuinely means what they're doing. Byron Donalds is a guy that grew up in Brooklyn when it wasn't nice. Okay, there are certain neighborhoods you hear about in New York nowadays. You're like, oh, Brooklyn, oh, Harlem, oh, oh, it must be really scary driving through there. I'm like, dude, it's all white people. The white liberals gentrified the worst neighborhoods in Manhattan because they were cheaper to move into. And they brought along high-end grocery stores and organic produce and everything in between. And uh, they took the places and made them completely uninhabitable to the, you know, demographics that had traditionally lived in those neighborhoods. Harlem is so overwhelmingly white. I mean, in most neighborhoods in Harlem, I'm the black guy. Like, they demand it of me when I drive up there in my cab. They're like, oh, for this reenactment, you'll be playing. I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, and that's the way a lot of Brooklyn is. But Byron Donald's, prior to Brooklyn being gentrified, was, you know, East New York, one of the murder capitals of the world. Okay, Byron Donald's grew up in that hood. Byron Donald's grew up in the type of Brooklyn where SEAL Team 6 would go to get scared. Okay, and he understood he had the good sense to realize he was being failed by local Democratic leadership. New York is a one party town at the city level, at the borough level. It is predominantly Democrat about 95 percent of the time. Byron Donald saw the decay around him and had the good sense to know there was actually more of a future for himself and his community in the Republican Party where they were championing a rising tide that lifted all boats instead of subjugating us to racial classes and telling us we couldn't do it for ourselves and we needed to depend on Washington, D.C. or we were screwed. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. There is so much social pressure on minorities, on gays, on anyone living any type of alternative sexual lifestyle to vote for Democrats. So much overwhelming social pressure because every aspect of Hollywood, every aspect of the media, every aspect of social media is just raining it down on you constantly. This is what we do. There's a reason Joe Biden was able to say what he said with no blowback in the summer of 2020. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? He didn't get in trouble for that because in the media they're like, yeah, of course. You don't have a choice as a black person. You have to vote Democrat. And what's so shameless about all of that is it was in the summer of 2020 when the Democrats were justifying and encouraging riots 
by telling you that a riot was the language of the unheard. And of course they're rioting in these cities because they haven't been heard. Well, if they haven't been heard, isn't it worth, I don't know, maybe wondering why they haven't been heard, given that the Democrats ran every single city where they were rioting in the summer of 2020? Don't be thick, all right? No, no, you don't be thick. Okay, a lot riots the language of the unheard. Okay, well, who had the tin ear? It wasn't the Republicans, it was the Democrats. Byron Donalds grew up at a level of urban blight where he was able to have the horse sense to see through the garbage that is constantly sold to the minority community in the guides of hope and empathy and support and grew up as a young conservative and is now a really formidable guy in politics. And having met him and talked to him off the air, I can tell you this. He's brilliant, number one, like has an incredible grasp of congressional procedure and law and standards and precedents. But number two is raising a family, one of which snuck onto my show at CPAC and did 10 minutes on the air. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, he just came back from break and he's sitting in the chair He's like, well, you interviewed my dad. You got to interview me. I'm like, kid, that's not how media works. But all right, here you go. And we did it. He was great. Kid was fantastic. But the point is, he's a guy who cares. And I know as a guy who cares. Like, I'm a guy who cares. I tell you this all the time on the radio. I'm new to this. So you might see me all over TV every night, but you didn't see me all over TV this time a year ago. You certainly didn't see me all over TV this time a year before that. A year ago, I was probably on TV four or five times a week. That's great. It's really exciting to me. It's highlight of my life. Now it's bananas. And it's great. But one of the reasons it works is because people know I genuinely care. I am more you than I am TV guy. You know, as I say all the time, you know, there are people I'm on TV with that look like TV stars. Okay, I look like the guy who installed your TV. I mean, that's kind of the hook. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. All right, but I'm trying. But the point is I'm a real guy. And having the minimal amount of time in media that I do. I am not out of touch with you, even though you might see pictures of me at these elite functions and hanging out and stuff. I basically just go there, gather recon, and then come on the air and spill the beans on everything I learned, you know, because I care. I want this show to be a force of good, you know, a force multiplier of positive energy. So I genuinely care. And I can tell you a guy like Byron Donald genuinely cares. Does that mean he's going to be the next speaker? No. But the reason his support continues to rise is a lot of Republicans, one, want nothing to do with McCartney McCarthy because he's an establishment guy, but number two, because they do recognize in this moment, they might not have recognized it yesterday or the day before, but sometimes the universe aligns just right, and an idea that you never even thought about is actually presented to you, and you realize it might be a brilliant idea. You know, a guy like Byron Donalds is young, changes the face of Republican leadership. McCarthy goes in there as what? Former Trump guy? Trump's top you know, chief of staff? Okay, that brings a lot of baggage to the party. It doesn't change the complexion of the party. I'm not saying McCarthy's a bad guy. I'm not saying Trump's a bad guy. But do you understand his opposition is going to be Hakeem Jeffries, who himself is an election denier, who has famously said 2016 was stolen on dozens of occasions, who has yelled every low-level racial epitaph at Republicans and black Republicans and everybody in between. Hakeem Jeffries has been a dirtbag in Congress. But the fact is, if Hakeem Jeffries is running the Democrat minority in the House, all they're ever going to do is tell you that Republicans are disagreeing with his ideas because they're racist. Okay, it becomes a lot harder to do that if the Republicans have a black Speaker of the House who's not the Speaker of the House because he's black, but because he's eminently qualified. Like, you understand, like, Corrine Jean-Pierre right now, she is your White House press secretary. She is so bad at her job. Maybe, but she got the job explicitly, as did Kamala, because the Biden administration flat out announced, okay, they wanted a woman of color. Not the best woman, a woman. 
okay? Kamala Harris, do you understand, is the vice president because she checks boxes. But she's a vice president who, when she was on the campaign trail, said she believed Joe Biden's sexual assault accuser and that he was a racist, a rapist. She also called him a racist because she said he opposed integrated busing and flat out called him a racist on the debate stage. And Joe Biden turned around anyway, offered her the vice presidency, and the woman who said he was a racist and a rapist took it immediately. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. You better believe she is, okay? And the point is, you don't, you don't ever eliminate merit if you care about the country. You don't ever eliminate merit if you care about the students. You know, we, you're hearing these stories out of Virginia where the, you know, Governor Yunkin is just launching an investigation now into whether or not certain honors were not bestowed upon enrichment students because they thought it would be a slight to the kids who didn't make enrichment. So the white school board decided that we couldn't reward students for achieving in academics because that sent a potentially harmful uh, message to the people who didn't. Yo, that is the soft bigotry of low expectations. You don't create equity by breaking down the smart kids. You create equity by building up the slow kids. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Take it from me, one of the slow kids. Come on, man. But these are the things they do in the name of equity, in the name of inclusion. Byron Donalds, to his credit, sees through all of that and would be a really lethal force for the Democrats to deal with. I don't know that it's going to go to that. Right now, the House vote right now has Jeffries at 108, McCarthy at 107, Donalds all the way down at 11. But the longer these votes fail for McCarthy, the more likely it is that Republicans start to peel away from McCarthy and start going towards a Republican alternative. At the very least, today is going to end with maybe one more vote, I doubt it, and then some type of backroom deal. And they're either going to pressure every one of these Republican holdouts to vote present, meaning you don't vote for anybody, you just let you know McCarthy get a majority. Or there's an honest-to-goodness self-examination by the party, and we emerge tomorrow with a completely new standard-bearer. I don't know where it's going to go. But Donald's isn't going to win in this vote. He's not going to win in the next vote. And here's a newsflash. Neither is McCarthy. Okay? It's a wild time to be watching this in the Republican Party. But as they tell you that it's embarrassing, I want you to understand one thing. Okay? It's not embarrassing. Nobody is going to care that the Republicans took two days or five days to choose a speaker. Do you want to know what's embarrassing? Spiking inflation to a 40-year high. It's crippling people on fixed incomes. It's crippling single moms and low-income earners in this country. You want to know what's embarrassing? Five million people crossing the border under Biden, it resulting in the highest rate of fentanyl deaths in the history of this country. You want to know what's embarrassing? Fleeing Afghanistan with our tail between our legs and leaving behind $85 billion worth of our weapons. We went to that country and invested 20 years of blood and treasure in an effort to make sure it didn't become a breeding ground for terrorists. We left with a terrorist in charge of the country. Biden sucks. I mean, really think about that. That's embarrassing. We were energy independent when the guy took office. We're not energy independent anymore. We supposedly did so in the name of what? Curbing pollution. So we've outsourced our energy production to filthier countries that are creating more pollution by burning the fuel filthier and requiring more fuel to get it here along the way. Okay, that's embarrassing. Forcing people, first responders, nurses, cops, firemen, off their jobs. If they didn't get a vaccine they didn't want, that's embarrassing. 
Okay, especially when you consider that while we were all home watching Tiger King, they were out fighting the pandemic with no vaccine whatsoever. And the people that were willing to take that risk and keep our society somewhat afloat were now forced off of their job if they didn't want to take a jab that to this day, we have no data on whether or not it stops transmission because the farmer executives flat out admitted they didn't do the tests. Mandating that and encouraging six more booster shots, that's embarrassing. Biden is such a disaster. He really is. And the point being is that if this takes another week, okay, there's nothing the Republicans are going to do in this nomination process that's going to be remotely close to the embarrassing things the Democrats have done to this country. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Kevin McCarthy's fifth bid at the speakership. Not looking good. Byron Donald's now up to 18 votes uh, with plenty of voting left to do. Uh, Wow, this is crazy. Hakeem Jeffries leading McCarthy 160 to 152. Now, as I say again and again and again, it doesn't really matter who wins if we get the right guy in there. But there is now pressure. Lauren Boebert calling on Donald Trump to encourage McCarthy to withdraw his nomination, which you got to be honest with you, would be a smart political move for Trump because if Trump tells McCarthy to get out of here, McCarthy's not about to win. If Trump tells McCarthy to step down, the next guy who does win will allow Trump to say, see, I facilitated that. And that's a better news cycle for Trump tomorrow than the current news cycle shaping up, which is Trump got out of bed today on Truth Social and posted twice that the Republicans should throw all their weight behind Kevin McCarthy. Now, that resulted in Kevin McCarthy losing more seats today than he did yesterday. So the current takeaway, if you're in the member of the liberal media and you're trying to tell everybody Trump is weak, is that Trump endorsement actually cost McCarthy seats today, which it did. So I don't know that he wants to wake up to that news cycle. So he might want to get out there and he might want to go the other way. Now, the Clown of the Year award goes to Adam Kinzinger, who told CNN yesterday he doesn't intend to run in 2024. I I don't intend to date Beyonce either. Thanks for telling us. Here's clip 23. No, it's not my intention, no. But it would be fun to run against him because he stands up and just lies. He tells untruths. People love it because it's entertaining. But eventually people have a concern for their country. So, no, my intention is not to run in 2024. Um, but it would be fun. It would be fun to stand on a stage with Donald Trump and actually tell the truth mm. because when he's on a stage, it's nothing but lies that come out. Adam Kinzinger is a clown. <laughs> Just an out-and-out clown. I'm not going to run against that. Yeah, you're not going to run because you wouldn't get 1% in the polls, okay? Come on, man. Adam Kinzinger's a loser, and he just got smoked And he has no future in Washington because he's a sellout and it's time to go. Bottom line. I love the poorly educated. And vote for Kinzinger because he's a dope.
I've traveled over 140 countries around the world. As I was, I'll paraphrase the phrase in my own neighborhood. The rest of the countries, the world's not a patch on our genes. If we do what we want to do, we need to do. Do you speak any English? I don't know that he does. Joe Biden now telling us the rest of the world, it's not a patch on our genes if we do what we got to do. I don't know. I Honestly, honestly I, I say this in good faith. Someone could get so rich selling a Biden to English dictionary. You really could. But joining us now is a man who is not doing that. He's down in Atlanta selling his body, uh, but we're thrilled to get him a timeout. Chadwick Moore back on the show. Chadwick! <laughs> hey, what's up, Jimmy? How are you? Does inflation uh, does inflation uh, increase the price of those tricks you turn <laughs> in the lobby? How does that work? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, we're up about 20% now from uh, this time last year. So, <laughs> you know, it's... It's not like I'm making more money because everything costs more. You know, so it's just funny. It's- I watch all these inflation charts on the business channels. You know what I mean, Chadwick? No one ever talks about the, the hookers. You know what I mean? <laughs> really? It's a whole other yeah. segment of our economy. Where is that poll? I want to see that, too. If you think you can just put a dollar in some panties at the strip club these days, no, you can't. That is not a good look. <laughs> That's funny. you got to make it rain a dollar seventy-five, and the change is hurting people. People are getting hit by the quarters. <laughs> It's not the same. So instead of the garter, they now have like a little – you have to have a little purse on there too. Yeah. No way yeah, yeah. You just put it in the change in a little fanny pack because uh, otherwise the injuries, they're, they're out of control. You never hear about these reports, but well, it's true. What I like about today is we didn't wait the, the requisite 45 seconds before we went off the rails. We just went off the rails right out of the gate, which is nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so much going on in my world today. What I've been watching is five attempts by the Republicans to elect a Speaker of the House – I personally find it hilarious. I, none of this bothers me. I would li- I'd be happy if it went on for a week. Um, I don't like – I mean, I, to be clear, I think the dirtbag move in all of this is not people holding up the process. There's a lot of social pressure like, come on, you're making us look bad. I think we were made to look bad as conservatives when we won back control of the House but let the Democrats pass a spending bill. Yeah, I agree completely, and I'm with you that uh, I don't mind gridlock at all. I think it's also hilarious, and I mean not only on a serious note, not even hilarious. I think it's kind of wonderful. This is how the House is supposed to operate. Yeah. It's messy and chaotic, and it's highly entertaining. Well, it's it's entertaining now. It hasn't been entertaining for a long time. Yeah. Finally, we're getting entertained, and the House is sort of behaving as uh, how they're supposed to, which yeah. is a great thing. It's It's fun to watch the Democrats and the Democrat Party be like, look at how – how much in disarray the Republicans are. My God, they're so chaotic and messy. No, it's, it's they're proving that they're not the monoparty of singular thought yes. and li- little lemmings who just go in the same direction. I think it's kind of fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Chadwick Moore, he is on the line, a journalist, contributor, editor at The Spectator. Did I read right that you're down in Atlanta, the Dirty South? Yep, I'm down in the Dirty South. Uh, yeah, since I'm, the holidays down here, and yep, still uh, here. That's rad. I I, I was. Um, I, first of all, I love Atlanta because you're never further than three feet from a Waffle House at any point. <laughs> yep. By law, they have like some zoning ordinance. There has to be a Waffle House every three feet. It's amazing. Um, and <laughs> I was in your old hood of Tennessee over the weekend. I was in. Uh, I was in Nashville for New Year's Eve. And uh, Nashville has become, though, I love Nashville. I love the scene. I love the vibe. But it is the drunk white chick capital of the world. Have you been there recently? Oh, my goodness. I was there, uh, let's see, uh, in the city of Nashville about a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. I couldn't, I was staying downtown and couldn't believe that it. it's, 
It's the city of bridal shower yes, parties. Yes, yes. It's nothing but drunk white girls. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just <laughs> drunk white chicks riding bicycles that are powered by beer. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm not disparaging it because the vibe of Nashville is amazing. Like I, I two years ago said on this show that if COVID was nearly as bad as they said it was, everyone in Nashville, the entire population would have been dead in 2020 because they were reopened by like August of 2020. You know, September of 2020, or yeah, 2020, they were all riding the bicycles and drinking, and there wasn't a mask in sight. So I think Nashville is the proof. You know, they always did say alcohol killed the virus. Maybe that was the answer all along. We would have had fundraisers and nonprofits started to save the bridesmaids if that were true, because they would have been dropping like flies. We'd have none left in this country if it were as bad as it, as it was. <laughs> Chadwick Moore, uh, we're talking about stuff. Uh, I had posed this question earlier to a guest. Who do you think cares more about the outcome of the speaker race, the president of the United States or the president of Ukraine? <laughs> Ooh, good. Uh, probably the president of Well. I would guess the president of Ukraine, because a lot is, is hinging on that. Biden, I mean, does he know? Does he care? Mm-hmm. Uh, does he know what's happening? Who knows? Uh, yeah. but Biden thinks the Speaker of the House is Bose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, but, yeah, so you think maybe I, I think Zelensky just because there's the money. There's a lot of money hanging in the balance, depending on what kind of guy you get in there. I don't see like a Byron Donalds is the guy they're all nominating now. It was Jordan. He doesn't want the gig. I totally get it. Uh, Byron Donalds now has 20 votes. McCarthy has just failed for a fifth time despite the fact that he has a Trump endorsement. Now, in the amount of time, I've spent a lot of time around Byron Donalds. He is a new generation of Washington and that he's happy to make these people squirm because he doesn't want to go along to get along because that's everything that's wrong with the country. So, again, I'm not in the business of telling people how to vote, but I'd be thrilled with McCarthy not getting it if for no other reason that I see him as more of a McConnell and less of one of us. Yeah, and after the midterms, you know, there a lot of uh, uh, Republican voters were disgruntled because it appeared none of the leadership was going to pay for the fact that the midterms were so were, were such a letdown. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had three people you could put the blame on: two McConnell, nothing happened to him, mm-hmm. and now McCarthy. It appears is at least taking some of that that force. Which, again, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't really I want to tell people to vote or whatever, but I'm enjoying. The squirm, and it's kind of wonderful. It's it's uh, it's how it's supposed to work. Thank you. We haven't had one of these in a hundred years. That was the last yeah. time. We, so I mean, if for nothing else, you know, this is like it's like a good throwback Thursday exercise. Tomorrow we'll have a third day of voting. Because uh, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna. It doesn't sound like it's gonna end. I mean, if if you're zero for five. You know, and, and, and Jeffries is like everyone keeps trying to say like, well, but Akeem Jeffries is going to win if they're not careful. No, he's not, because none of the people dissenting are going to turn around and vote for Jeffries. So he's just going to keep getting to 212. McCarthy's going to keep getting to like 205. And then the other is going to get into the mid 20s. And we're going to have to do this again tomorrow. I don't know. I enjoy it. It gives me something to talk about. That's not every other stupid thing going on in this country. Um, let me right. ask you this. Did you see the poll? Uh, that Florida and Texas, it's Texas and Florida in that order, are one and two in population gain right now. Are you surprised by that? As the only guy who moved to New York, <laughs> everyone else left. Chadwick Moore was like, no, no, it sounds good. I think I'm going to go there. Uh, no, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, it's, um, you know, Florida's, well, New York has lost. I think they told us that New York lost like 300,000 people during the pandemic. Yeah. Before that, it, it was losing 
30,000 – it was netting 30,000 loss, yeah. uh, meaning more people were coming in, but it was not – You know, it was mostly yeah. illegal immigrants coming into New York. Mm-hmm. So New York was already losing people. The pandemic sort of uh, sped that up, and then, of mm-hmm. course, everyone's seeing you know, the freedoms that Florida and other places had. Uh, but still, it's just uh, – it's kind of amazing because I was in – I moved to New York in Bloomberg's early years mm-hmm. and oh. watching how many people were coming there and how much construction was going on. It was it something was like – 40,000 new buildings went up in New York City under Bloomberg, and it just felt like this relentless mm-hmm. in population increase. And red kept getting more expensive, yep. and to see that completely reverse course is kind of amazing to witness. It is so crazy because like, I was driving a cab under Bloomberg, and it was weird because as someone who grew up here, I felt a sense of guilt over how nice it was. Like when I was driving a cab, it was nice. Like so, but then they eventually like it got so tourist friendly. They put in the bike lanes, and then we all just resented Bloomberg anyway. But it was honestly, it was not that threatening. Like when I, in the years I was driving a cab, really like primarily like full time every day, two thousand and seven to twenty twelve, and uh, I was never scared. And you know, because people would always ask Chadwick, they're like, you know, do you profile? Like if someone is dangerous looking, do you not pick them up? And the truth is, no. Like when you're driving a cab twelve hours a day, you want to die. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah. if, Chadwick, if I didn't pick you up, you didn't look dangerous enough. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I got a question for you as mm-hmm. a former cab driver and, mm-hmm. and a lifelong New Yorker. Do you think that, that, that they're trying to cause traffic problems to pass their, their uh, yes. congestion pricing bill? Yes, 100,000 million trillion percent. That's what they want to do. They, they, there's been a war declared on the, uh, the drive-in commuter. You know, and, uh, you know, between the bus lanes and the overzealous ticketing, because that's another aspect to this. We used to have streets in Manhattan, like 10th Avenue used to be an actual drag strip because it was six lanes wide in one direction. And now 10th Avenue is three lanes wide. One of them's a bus lane. One of them's a bike lane. One of them's a pedestrian lane. And then one mm-hmm. of them is parking. So they just annihilated it. And it's infinitely slower and the lights aren't synced up. Everybody knows who's been to New York, the romance of, like, timing the lights when you're going up an avenue just as they dropped from red to green and you can kind of coast up a street. You really yeah. can't do that anymore, save for, like, it's got to be, like, 4 a.m. in the morning, at which point you weren't stopping for the lights anyway because you were getting chased by a hobbit swinging a screwdriver you know <laughs> it's it's so it's so bad right now like like to your point the reason the red states are getting such an influx is get one it's freedom like you're getting the government out of everybody's way but two is like these cities are bad have, have you been to san francisco in the last five years because it's so bad no i oh. haven't i was supposed to go and i can't this year and i canceled Dude, it was like it was so funny because I took Jenny and Lincoln to San Francisco like three like three years ago in the winter. And it was like they've been in New York. They've seen bad neighborhoods. You know what I mean? We lived on the Upper West Side. Not that that's a bad neighborhood. But the point is we lived in the city. So we we frolicked all over town. But when we were in San Francisco, it was actually like it was jaw dropping to them. And in a way that I didn't appreciate showing them, you know, it's like I don't watch snuff films because I feel like I could never recover. I'd be weird. Well, I feel like I watch them the society. <laughs> equivalent of a snuff film because we were just walking around uh, you know parts of San Francisco are like Calcutta and like not the nice neighborhoods of Calcutta <laughs> bad stuff it's like you know it was every people are barefoot and naked and all the things about going potty on the sidewalk are true and it's crazy man and I don't think anyone ever really speaks or quantifies just how bad and depraved it's gotten but if you were here under Bloomberg to now I mean, wouldn't you say the overall quality of, like, appearance in the city is, like, 50% worse? I had never seen – 
Let's see. So I've been in New York since 2005. I had yeah. never seen anyone nodding off on heroin until like oh. a year after de Blasio. Yes. And it was one of those things because you see it in the movies all the time. Yep. Like, oh, New York, there's drug acts everywhere. And the first time I saw it, broad daylight on the street, I was like, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I think that's what someone nodding off on heroin looks yep. like. And then the next week, there were 50,000 of them on the same street. You yeah. know? <laughs> it was like <laughs> and, overnight. And then the next week, they were still oh, they were nodding off on heroin, but they had masks on. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's so bananas, man. We're talking to Chadwick Moore. Uh, we're having a grown-up conversation about the quality <laughs> of life in these blue cities. Well, this one racket, okay, I keep coming back to, is it in the summer of 2020 when they were rioting? Okay, if you remember the Democrats who, they're not like, when it's weird. The Democrats have this weird mixed bag relationship with Martin Luther King. And I say that because the most famous Martin Luther King quote is, I want to live in a world where we judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. The Democrats are not on board with that. Like he would get booed for saying that at the DNC because the color of your skin is now everything. Can you co-sign that? You don't have to elaborate, but would you sort of agree with that? Yeah, I would completely agree. Okay, with good, that. good. I don't I don't belabor the point, but because where they do embrace where they do embrace MLK is on the other side when the rioting was going on, they kept yelling, well, you know, in the words of Martin Luther King, a rioting is the language of the unheard. But what they never acknowledged that if these people felt unheard in these municipalities for 65 years, they were all run by Democrats. So it's like if they feel unheard in Baltimore, in Philadelphia, you know, in Milwaukee, in New York, in Los Angeles, like isn't it worth I don't know, maybe asking the societal question of why there's such a tin ear well this is why i've always wondered is why the republicans completely gave up on trying to make a pitch for the cities and i think that lee zeldin opened up a lot of eyes that this is possible i thought trump would have had a great chance for making a pitch for the cities Mm -hmm. maybe not winning the blue states and cities but at least putting Putting a a dent dent. yeah you know and i think ronald reagan was the last republican presidential candidate to actually make an earnest pitch Mm -hmm. for the cities he like toured the bronx he met with the editors of jet magazine and places like that (laughs) and uh they've just completely given up on it now when you see, just like you said with the riots, like you see how nothing has gotten better. Why can't you approach those communities and say, well, kind of as Trump did, what do you have to lose? Like mm-hmm. nothing has gotten better. These leaders are, are not improving your lives. Why don't you give us a chance? But they, but that's – their GOP does not seem to think that's worth it, uh, which is sad because we kind of know that, that maybe these leaders could change something and make lives better. It's so true. Imagine. Imagine. But nobody wants to. That's the scam. That's why what I was saying earlier is like the Republicans are nominating Byron Donalds. Okay, he's like the alternative to McCarthy right now. He really does take a lane away from the Democrats. If we have a black speaker going up against a black minority leader on the Democratic side, because, yeah, they're still going to say it's all a bunch of racist garbage. But it's hard to relentlessly play that card against Byron Donalds as opposed to a guy like Kevin McCarthy. So I see a lot of value in that type of campaign. Candidacy, but I don't know where this is going to end. I'm pretty sure you were just nominated during the interview, so you should get off the phone. <laughs> you, should, you should go prep some type of a speech when you get done doing whatever you're doing down there in Atlanta. Okay, hotshot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't need a speech to talk to those people. I'll just, you know, go off the. They don't know what I'm saying. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> they, they speak the language. Chadwick Moore, you're the best. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. See you, buddy. There he goes. There we go like- back after this. It's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. Oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we are. 
And for the first time in history, there have been two black Americans placed into the nomination for Speaker of the House. However, we do not seek to judge people by the color of their skin, but rather the content of their character. Byron Donalds. Wow, that was Texas Representative Chip Roy saying Byron Donalds is the guy. And we've got ourselves a matchup potentially of history. Historical proportions, Byron Donalds against Hakeem Jeffries, the two time we'd have two black House Speaker candidates going head to head. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at three o'clock. Imagine that. My money is on Byron Donalds. Uh, I don't know where this is going to end. What we do know is Kevin McCarthy, as we exit the airwaves, has now lost a fifth bid for the speakership. Uh, by more than 11 votes to Hakeem Jeffries, Donald's trailing both of them by a, a, a massive margin. He's only got 20 votes as the alternative. But you understand he wasn't even on the ballot yesterday. Knowing there are going to be more votes potentially today and tomorrow, it means there's going to be some backroom discussions about, hey, maybe McCarthy doesn't have the goods. I don't know that's the case. I just know that if you lose the first five times and you get ready to vote a sixth, you are very much acting on the true definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Who knows how it plays out? Who knows if it'll even play out by the time we get back on the air tomorrow? I don't. But if you can't wait that long to see me, I will be on Fox and Friends first tomorrow at 5.45 a.m. I will be on with Stuart Varney. His crew has gone out and booked me on to the show. That is financial lunacy. And tomorrow night I will, of course, be on with Sean Hannity on his television program as well. But this one's over. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.